going on everybody welcome back to another edition of thunderstruck the unofficial lincoln stars podcast we're here at studio b casa de cotter uh icebox is not packed but the parking lot's plat- packed thanks to state basketball so we're coming at you at studio b tonight gene thanks for uh, being a good host of course of course maybe this becomes the future thunderstruck the unofficial pod the, the podcast unofficial you know whatever we're called Maybe yeah. this becomes the official studio in the future. I don't know. We're invading Piercy's space here, so well, I don't know. True. He might kick us out. Yes. And I, I don't want to be on his bad side. No doubt. No doubt. So uh, what do we want to say about this past weekend? Um, three I'll, games, three nights. Two points. Two points. Moving on. Moving on. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, it, th- uh, Friday night was great. Great game Friday night. Um. After that, no. six goals in the third period on Friday night. What did we take home? An eight to four win, something like that? Yeah, eight four, I think, something like that. A lot of eights. A lot, a lot of eights, eights this weekend. weekend. Crazy eights. Yeah, it was crazy eights. And you know what? I guess I'd rather get a weekend like this out of the way now and maybe learn from it and move on and and uh, get ready. Get ready. Because you know what? Here's the thing. The way it looked this weekend we're playing for second place um, and you're going to have to figure out if you want to win the Clark cup, you're going to have to figure out how to be more competitive against that team to the West. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather we can like this happen now when it doesn't matter so much. Cause if it happens in the playoffs, we're done. We're back and we're, we're hitting the links. Yeah. Um, what are we? Oh, and seven against the storm now. And, yeah, but that doesn't matter. I mean, we were, I don't, I, I don't well, know. That's, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, we've gone 0-7 with other teams throughout throughout years, too. But, I mean, it's regular season hockey, so it's not as much do or die as, as we think it should be. Um, we can't do that in the playoffs. Well, you know what it did for me watching the last two nights on hockey TV and listening to our, our guest tonight, Cristiano, describe the action as I'm watching the action was it just showed me, it brought everything into perspective for me because we have... And I can go into some more in-depth stats that I may have put together. Gene, what stats? Who would have thought? Yeah. About uh, Sioux City, Omaha, and Lincoln, and what we have, what our upcoming schedule looks like, and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's very interesting is Sioux City and Omaha are a combined 5-6-1 and one against Tri-City on the season. And we're, we're like 5 and. Five zero and one against Sioux City, and well, I can probably tell you here if I look. Um, we're three two and one against Omaha, and we are, yeah, five five and one, five one and one against against Sioux City. I didn't so, think we played Sioux City that many times, but they must have been it must have been road games. Uh, well, we have one home game left against them. Nope, we have one home and one road game against left left against them. So it'll be. Eight or nine games by the time it's all said and done. Nah, that's just typical Western Conference hockey. Well, I shouldn't say Western Conference hockey, but it's, it's USHL hockey right now. We're, we're just playing our conference. So, I mean, you're going to see these teams 9, 10, 12 times. 
Yeah. You know, and what was so confusing, confusing about Saturday and Sunday was exactly what Rocky said in his post game last night, where he said about halfway through the second period, all of a sudden we became not afraid, but it was like we played scared Saturday, all the entire game on Saturday and at least half the game yesterday. And we were buried by the time we I made the trip playing. down for Saturday and it just looked like we just laid down. I am. But doesn't that surprise you? Because have you seen? I mean, it does, I mean, it's uncharacteristic of this team. Because if you watch this team, there's no quit in them. But Saturday night, it's just like, and it's not there was like, no start to it. I it, mean, it's just yeah, and it's not like Vieira was an intimidating place to play. What were there? There was an announced three thousand people. There, there wasn't three thousand Saturday, and yesterday was fifteen hundred. It looked more like sixty-five total people, from what I could tell. So it's not like it was an intimidating atmosphere and place to play. It was just kind of like, I don't, it wasn't the same team that, that played Tri-City down in, in Texas. Dallas. No. Um, it was the same team that played them on New Year's Eve when we got beat 7-1. to one. So in our last three trips to Kearney, we've got 7-1, 8-zip, and 8-3. Gulp. Yeah. 23 to, what is that, 23-4? to four That's like a, That's like the Canadian women's hockey team. Just go kick the crap out of everybody. Yeah. And, you know, what did Tri-City had 25 shots on goal in the first period on Saturday night? And like you know, I looked up, yesterday. I looked up, and it was like 25 shots, and we had like four. And I was like, are they home cooking the stats? You know what? Sherry and I had a conversation about that, and I don't think they were. I don't think they were, because I, once I saw it, I kind of started paying a little bit more attention to it. Because, I mean, I for me, when I look at a game, I'm looking at it through the lens, so I'm not seeing a whole lot of stuff going on except for, they What's started, right there in front of me? Then, uh, then I started paying attention a little bit more because I, I pissed off their arena manager and I kind of was a little pissed off the rest of the night there. Um, so I, I paid a little more attention to the game itself. And yeah, I mean, it didn't seem like they were home cooking the stats. I can tell you if they were home cooking the stats, they gave us some credits for shots on goal on, I can't even say his last name, so I'm not even going to try. Um, not Sergeyev. Maybe they actually they did it against Sergeyev yesterday too, who came off of. Yeah, his, I was curious on how to say his last name, and I know I'm going to pronounce it like Werner Schitz or something like that. And right, I don't know how to pronounce it. But. Yeah, but you know, I can tell you that there were a couple of times where we just dumped the puck in on net, and click, it went up on it went up on a as a shot on goal. So I don't know how many we really had. Um, that's not something. I don't know. I, I wish at some point I could figure out what officially it is because it's like in one rink, if the goalie has to stop it from going in the net, but there's also that shot on goal. So to me, I had to shoot it with an intent to score, not just dump it into the zone, and the goalie happened to have to stop it from going in the net. Um, so I don't know what it is, but there might have been a little home cooking to get the goalies, the Tri-City goalie stats up. He bit. didn't need any stats because the only stat that mattered at the end of the night was that zero that he posted up on the board. Yep, that's true. So, and then Coach Noreen's 300th win. Um, who got the puck? That's a great question. <laughs> well, if you listen to the, uh, the Tri-City uh, announcer, he mentioned it numerous times on Sunday's broadcast. Yeah, apparently there's a, there's a conspiracy out there going on about that. So, I don't know. I know nothing about it. It's above my pay grade. But if you want to find out, check out Hockey TV. Uh, just listen listen to the uh, Kendall Grayson's uh, call on Sunday's game, and we'll let the evidence there speak for itself. Dead horse. 
<laughs> yeah, he he was beating that dead horse, that's for sure. So, yeah. hey, big night for us tonight because we have I've already talked about how Cristiano is going to join us, the most requested guest in podcast history. Yep, and uh, we also have a very long interview, a very involved interview with the USHL commissioner Bill Robertson. I can't tell you how great it was to talk to him and him giving us 30 minutes of his time yeah, and talks amazing. about expansion uh the officiating situation going on here and in all of sports basically so and just how he became how he found his way to the ushl he, so. cares, he cares a lot about this league and and uh has is well traveled in both professional and college sports so i look forward to seeing what he does 10th commissioner in ushl history so and for a guy to come on on a show like this where he doesn't have to do it it shows that he cares about the league and wants to get the word of the USHL out there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so with that being said, um, why don't we take a quick break and let's come back with that interview with uh, the commish. Sounds good. This is the Dump and Chase podcast. We're trying to model ourselves after what you guys have done a little bit. Voice of the Phantoms and friend of the show, Mr. Matt Lipsack. I am along for the ride and perhaps provide some modicum of adult supervision here, although really that's a lost cause at this point. We welcome back Phantoms president Andrew Goldman. It went smoother than it did with Matt. I want that (laughs) added. I want that added. shaking your head now for i'm agreeing with you because oh. he has absolutely killed us this year well so far finger guns has meant sam shut up so yeah that's that's not helping i'm trying to process okay check out the dump and chase podcast every wednesday on western reserve radio youtube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts listen that like was frightening all right guys welcome back to thunderstruck the podcast uh the unofficial Ling of stars podcast I don't know if we're doing uh, the commissioner any justice by uh, leading him with the uh, the Youngstown guys. That's a great question. That's a great question. But I guess we'll find out. So, yeah. So, here's a, here's our interview with uh, Commissioner Bill Robertson. It is our extreme pleasure tonight to bring you a very special guest. Uh, We are now joined by USHL Commissioner Bill Robertson. Commissioner, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I I can't think of a better guest uh, as we we get ready to close out the 21-22 season to actually have the commissioner on. Uh, What a treat, what a treat. Um, Speaking of your job as commissioner, could you think of a, any better time to jump in and right in the middle of a pandemic with everybody trying to figure out how to do things? Well, it certainly has been interesting. Uh, uh, no question about it during a pandemic, but I, I did this job in, at the collegiate level with the Western Collegiate Hockey Association Division One men's college hockey uh, and had two years of a pandemic as well. So I, I'm uh, understanding of, of what goes into it and uh, I'm thankful that uh, we're working through all the situations and scenarios, and uh, I believe we're in a good spot right now, and hopefully we can finish out the season with, with no COVID-19 issues. You know, it seems that as I look at attendance numbers from around the league, that they certainly have been recovering. I know earlier this year here in Lincoln, we were averaging, I don't know, 1,500 at night, and all of a sudden over the last half dozen games or so, we've been closer to three or 4,000. So um, is that just because 
I think you look out here in the West and on any given night, about three teams jump over each other between second and fourth. And I've noticed that I think it's Dubuque and um, somebody else have kind of caught up with Chicago Muskegon. and Muskegon over there. So the, the hockey has absolutely been fantastic this year, right? Yes, it has. And it gets better as the season goes on. And I always have said that October hockey is very challenging. When I worked in the NHL, it was challenging to get fans to come to the buildings uh, but I think what you're seeing is with these races in both the West and the East in the USHL and the great play that's going on, and we're getting closer to playoff time, uh, people want to come out and see their favorite teams play. And there's some really good hockey being played this year. You mentioned the the playoffs are coming up. How You just released the uh, the play mat, playoff format. How did you guys come up with that format with the uh with the, uh, I think the big thing is the uh, highest seed gets to choose their their uh, the out, format. Yeah, the format at the end. Yeah, the uh, we went through a, a scheduling committee uh, that that went through all this w- with uh, each of the teams having to sign off on it. And actually, the teams knew about this a while ago. We just determined we wanted to release it in early March to give our fan base a chance to soak it all in and understand it. And we think it's going to be something, something unique and, and hopefully a lot of fun uh, as, as we continue down that uh, the stretch of the regular season, getting to the playoffs itself. So I want you to know that our intent is not to put you on the spot at any point tonight. So the next question, if you feel uncomfortable answering it, cause you might not have a crystal ball, but uh, for example, Rutger McGroarty plays for uh the developmental program. He's actually a Lincoln, Nebraska kid. And because we've been unable to play crossover games for the last couple of years, we haven't got to see him come to Lincoln. He hasn't got to play in the rink that he's grown up in. Is the division only format or the limited division only format, something that you see will kind of go away as the pandemic continues to be put in the rearview mirror, or is that something just because of the travel expenses and everything else maybe is more in our long term? Well, we're still talking about it as a league, and and, uh, those are valid points. There are travel expenses, and we're trying to limit the amount of time these young men are are away from uh, their educations. And uh, I think that's a big piece for me as a commissioner. I I know that. And a lot of these young men go on to play Division One or Division Three college hockey, and some, some go on to play at the NHL. But I would like to see teams get get a chance to play each other but i i don't think we're ever going to see a chance where you're going to see uh you know two a series at each place every year i just don't think that's feasible under the 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 constraints that we have with with it being so vast in our league as far as east to west is concerned without naming any potentials there's been a lot of chatter i've heard lately about the possible expansion of the ushl is that any is that anything that I suppose you never rule it out. I know for several years there was some conversation about a, a new franchise down in Kansas City and maybe a franchise moving down there. Is that is that real talk or is that just Facebook social media stuff? Well, I think a lot of it is is the rumor mill, so to speak. But I, I would say this, that I have not turned down any calls to talk to potential owners of a new uh ushl franchise because i think that's part of my job as commissioner uh to to vet all those kind of situations at the end of the day it's going to take something extraordinary uh, for this to happen um there's talk about you know all the time i get questions about would you go all the way out to the east coast or the west coast 
for uh, the league? And my answer to that is uh, not to be coy. I would say that's a definite maybe only because if we could work out some kind of system where that could work. But right now we're a bus league, mostly in the Midwest. And uh, that's where we're at uh, for the most part. So uh, I like the footprint we're in. If we were able to add teams in our footprint, that would be the most ideal uh, way to do it. But I haven't had anybody come to me with a concrete offer to say, we have an arena, we have the money, and we're willing to plop plop down uh, uh, an investment like that in the USHL at this point. That does not mean it won't happen in the future, but I continue to take those calls and and will continue to nurture that process as I go forward as commissioner. I've always thought that if if the USHL was to go out to the East Coast or West Coast, it'd be ideal to have maybe five or six teams do it at one time. That way you can maybe realign the divisions and conferences a little bit, have like a a Western conference, a Central and an Eastern or something like that. But I think think it was, like you said, it would take... uh, I don't know, something short of a miracle to have six teams sign on board at one time. Right. Uh, But, you know, there's always those kind of rumors that come up and I've investigated some of those and some people have come to me and I said, well, come to me with a plan or I'll sit down with you and we can forecast the plan together for the future. Is anything imminent? No. Um, Is that down the road? Most likely at at this point. Uh, But I certainly, as I want to make sure that you're, listeners understand is that I'm always interested in those type of opportunities to talk about the USHL and the great league. And if we can grow the game at, at that level out West or out East, I'm more than happy to entertain those conversations. You know, it's kind of interesting when you say that, because last year um, we had an opportunity. So I'm a billet, Mr. Commissioner. And so I've had kids for the last eight, nine years living at my house and last year Lincoln. And I don't think all teams did this, but multiple teams had kids from the Western Hockey League that came or other major junior leagues up in Canada come come play in our league. And I know there's this big competition out there about who's got the best, who's playing the best hockey. Is it is it the dub? Is it the O? Is it the USHL? I can tell you that I'm kind of particular to the USHL, so now's a chance for you to, to talk more about the USHL and, and maybe compare it a little bit to some of the other junior leagues around, the, especially North America. Sure. Well, and I've seen some of the some of the other leagues play, whether it's on a streaming platform or, or in person. In, in my past, I will say this: that when I when I talk to people at the higher levels of hockey, they all come back to me and say the USHL is the premier league in junior hockey in North America. And I saw it first firsthand when I went to Pittsburgh this year at the Fall Classic. We had 375 Division I college coaches, as well as NHL scouts and club general managers at our event outside of the Pittsburgh area to watch all 16 teams compete over a, a four-day span. What that told me is the kind of play in our league is second to none. There would not be that many scouts coming to view our players. And many of them have already signed tenders to play, as you know, as a billet uh, to, to play collegiate hockey already. But there's so much interest in this league and the competition is so fierce to get on these teams. Uh, at the same time, like our combines that are coming up uh, uh, later in the spring are, are 
I get calls every day from people asking me about the combines and yeah, I've not been to one of our combines yet. Cause I came on board after they had already, uh, were, were completed last, uh, uh, spring, uh, that there's so many people that want to get into this league. So that tells me the kind of competition that's involved. And it, it's as hard to make a USHL roster as it is to make a division one college hockey roster at this point. You mentioned the fall classic there. This is uh, the past two years. I haven't been able to make it out there, but the first couple of years we had it out there, Pittsburgh, I went out there and how has moving into the Pittsburgh market kind of showcased our players a lot more, especially being in the NHL market and you have easy access for all the NHL scouts to get there. Well, I think that's part of it. Uh, the Pittsburgh penguins who are in the NHL are great hosts and they've been over backwards for the league as, as well as the NHL wanting us to have this event. And uh, we've made some profit in being able to do this from a league perspective. And it keeps growing every year. We had 87 youth teams compete last year in, uh, uh, in 2021 in Pittsburgh, besides the 16 USHL clubs that, are, that were playing. So it tells me a, a lot about that area. And they want us back, and we're continuing to talk to them. And uh, hopefully we'll have some nice announcements in the coming weeks uh, about the event, the Fall Classic in Pittsburgh again. But we like it there. Uh, it gives us to a, another marketplace where they're in the Pittsburgh and the Pennsylvania area where there's a lot of great hockey talent as well. So we're excited that we have the opportunity to go there. And uh, um, I would say that the other piece to all that is, you know, we're looking at adding some additional uh, USHL events and, and other parts of the country to be very strategic and to get more eyeballs on our, on our great league and our brand. Is that kind of where the frosty cup and I'm trying to, is it the America's cup, the American cup, uh, up yep. that, uh, somebody out there in Rochester. Yeah. Is that, is that the basis for that is to kind of expand, maybe not team wise, but the footprint and the eyeballs. So that's why you go to Dallas and you go to Rochester Absolutely. and okay. Absolutely. And then we're thinking of adding a couple more of those type of events uh, as well during the the year where we have at least two uh, USHL teams com compete. Uh, so uh, the people get a taste of what it's all about. And potentially, you know, uh, as our footprint may widen in the years to come, that we have the ability to, to add teams on that end. But certainly the um, Frosty Cup was a huge success in Dallas. Our inaugural event in Rochester, the, the American Cup, uh, which I went to, uh, was fabulous. Um, over 200 NHL scouts and Division One college coaches were there in early December to see uh, two of our teams compete. So it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better uh, when you when you try to put these events together. There's, there's certainly a lot of work that goes into this, uh, but it has to obviously be a good fit for our league uh it has to be developmental overall a great experience for the young men that are competing and then again we all hopefully we can also at the same time um make it a financial win for the ushl now you guys just uh, put out a press release earlier this week saying that uh, bauer signed on to be equipment provider again for another i believe it's five years how beneficial is that that you can offer to these kids coming in here, top top notch gear from Bauer and 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 those partners like that. Well, it, it it's great. We get calls again monthly from different 
hockey related equipment partners uh, that want to be involved with our league. And, and Bauer made an aggressive, uh, uh, aggressive play to want to continue on with the USHL. And we've been talking to them since really we got back from the fall classic and have really um, entertained uh, other, other equipment companies as well to talk to them about what we could do in the future. But at the end of the day, Bauer with, with their brand had been with us. Um, they made some additional commitments as well as our financial commitments we thought it was a no-brainer for us to continue forward with them. And, and what it does is gives back to each of the teams because we polled a lot of our teams and asked them their opinions about Bauer, some of the Bauer products and what they needed. And we, uh, Again, that was the, the line we wanted to make sure that if we're doing this, we're doing it for these hockey players and to help them benefit and for their development for the future. I know you've only been on the job for, I don't know, eight months, something like that. Have you been able to get out and see many barns around the league, see many of the teams play in person? I, I, I've seen a few, uh, and I hope to – my goal is when we get to our playoffs, I think I will be traveling quite a bit during the, during the uh, end of April and into May where I'll be going to quite a few more, more venues. We still have some more business items to take care of that I'm – that I'm working on with our, our great staff at the USHL, but I, I can't wait to get out to uh, uh, several of the um, uh, arenas and rinks and to see the fan bases and how they interact. Um, and what I've been told in the past was there's uh, each of these towns, each of these markets are unique in their own way and have great rapport inside their communities. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing the most of. So you're from the Twin Cities originally, correct? I am. I'm you, from St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah, and you have uh, hockey in your blood. I think I read somewhere that your dad won a natty with the University of Minnesota in 1940. Your brother played uh, for Boston College. Did you play? I, I played organized hockey uh, up and up until I was in eight, eighth grade. But uh, after that, I played other sports. But you grow up in Minnesota. You grow up uh, playing in outdoor rinks and indoor rinks. So my entire life, I've had the ability to go skate and play some form of hockey. And I've loved the game since uh, my inception. I used to go with my father when he was a uh, high school official. Uh, we'd go to games then. And uh, I've always followed the high school level play, a play in Minnesota, the college game, and the professional NHL level. Because I worked for both the Minnesota Wild for 13 and a half years and worked for the Anaheim ducks for five and a half so hockey's been in my blood for a long period of time yeah i was kind of reading that that uh, you helped bring the t-wolves and the wild and the swarm to to your home state help bring the ducks in you worked for the angels at some point i wanted to ask you about whether or not you were with the angels when darren erstad was there um but i was were you? i was with i was with darren erstad he is a great guy ultimate competitor uh and i know he's from the uh i believe it's the fargo area if i'm not not mistaken yep. and he was a great athlete uh obviously he played football at nebraska and baseball and then he was a coach at uh, nebraska as well but got to know him quite a bit when i was at the angels he was drafted before i got there and then he made it to the big league club uh when i was the head of communications for for the organization he was always 
first class guy and a lot of fun, but uh, on the field, he was a competitor. Well, you might be seeing his, uh, his kid here in the USHL pretty soon. I know his kid's highly involved in the youth program here in Lincoln. That's yeah. good. That's good. Cause I would love to, uh, uh, see him. I, I never got to see him in person punt. And I always used to ask him if I brought a football out when he was at the angels, would he, would he, uh, punt a, punt a few to me just to see how uh, his, uh, spiral off his foot would go, but he never did. Well, you'll have to, when you get to Lincoln, you'll have to look him up because he still lives here in Lincoln. And I'm sure he'd take you over to Memorial stadium and show you his pictures and maybe even take you out on the field and kick for you. Yeah. He, he was a good guy. Um, and he was the first pick in the major league baseball draft, if you can believe that. And and the angels at that time were called the California angels and then turned to the Anaheim angels. And now they're the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. So they've had quite a few changes in that time. And he also played with the white Sox. I knew that. And, uh, but I had left baseball at that point, but he's a, uh, one of the best people I met in the game when I was with the angels. Yeah, he was. Uh, we hated to see him go when he left uh, the head coach at Nebraska a couple years ago. But there yep. aren't many competitors like he is. Agreed. So something else you just touched on. You talked about your dad being an official, and I, you know, I'm not really sure how to ask this question other than just to ask it. There was an article in the paper about high school basketball officials this last weekend because we're at the state basketball tournaments here, and and there's a lot of conversation around how difficult it is to find officials because of the abuse they take from, from fans and parents coaches and, and parents everybody. and, and you name it. So what do you, what do you see as the big difference between, and I realize this is, we're talking, you know, 80 years, um, maybe not 80 years, but um, from when your dad was officiating and taking you to games when he was officiating to today. Well, I think the, what I'm seeing is the, the, the parents and people around the teams are more vocal than ever before. Certainly there was always fans yelling when a goal was scored or a penalty was called. That was always part of the game. And that should be part of the game. That, that, that's a good thing when you're in the arena. But what I, what I've noticed is the respect for the officials who, who are traveling away from their families on weekends and weeknights and taking abuse from fans is a very challenging thing. And that's what I've noticed that that's been ratcheted up more and more uh, as I've gone along, whether that's in the professional game, the college game, and even in the USHL. And I, I've talked to our, our head of officials, uh, Scott Zalkin. I've also talked to our head of player safety, Denny LaRue about all these things. And, um, said it's it's going to be harder and harder to recruit officials. Um, and I've even seen it in the women's game when I was in the WCHA as well, that how hard it was to recruit officials because the abuse they take from the players on the ice and the coaching staff sometimes is, is a lot. And it makes it really, really hard for people to want to do that. And then along the same lines, travel during um, the winter months to be able to, to to officiate. You really have to have a labor of love to want to do that. And uh, some people just want to stay around the game because they played it and they want to be a part of it. And uh, that's a good thing too. But the, at the same time, it is being challenged more and more to get more officials uh, into the game of ice hockey. You mentioned the respect of the the officials. I saw Waterloo uh, posted a thing about their mascot suspended, and there was a video about him throwing a, 
a rag doll dressed up in his official. Is that something that's true, or is that just a marketing ploy from Waterloo? Well, I saw I saw the video clip that was sent to me by our director of communications, Brent Miski, uh, uh, earlier on. I just say that you know I I I'm hopeful that our teams you know it 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 is junior hockey and we want to make sure we're respecting the game as well as we can and and uh, all I can say is I, I want all of our 16 member clubs to treat our officials with respect and we've talked about that time and time again and and we want the game to be fun for the fans absolutely uh and we want to develop these young men so they go on to compete at the highest level of hockey and get their educations that's the most important thing at the same time um we want things to be in good taste uh whatever is going on uh, uh, on the ice or off the ice uh, with our with our teams and whatever charities are involved, and I, I will say it, that's how I see things. And I, I want I want our fans when they come to a game to have a fun filled environment. You know, I have a 17 year old who literally just turned 17 a couple of days ago, and I've been reading a lot about the USA Hockey Officials Development Program. Um, I'm He's getting ready to go off to college in a year, and I keep telling him that the second you turn 18, we need to make application for that because he's been roughing youth hockey around here. But I think exactly what you're saying keeps him going because even when he's roughing 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds, he's getting earfuls from people about how dare – you know. I'm, and I'm talking the lowest level. I'm talking house-level hockey where people are just coming unglued on, on – That's where you're just supposed to have fun. It doesn't matter 15, back then. Yeah, 15 or 16-year-old officials. But um, so, but the point I was trying to make there is even the officials that we're seeing in the USHL and who I think also maybe ref in the ECHL, but they're, it's a developmental league and developmental process for them as well, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And many of those officials are, are doing it either for the love of the game and just – like doing it or they want to move up the ladder and at the end of the day either either uh officiate at the college level or the nhl level and uh, some will make it and some won't and it's a it's a just like a player's path and journey to wherever they're going to get to in their in their hockey wishes it's the same for many of the officials it is a tough situation with officials when you're traveling you know, every game is a road game for officials and i don't think fans understand that and they're doing it because they want to do it and they're trying uh to make some extra money at the same time um and they have other jobs and i don't think people realize that this is not their full-time occupation and and they're going to make mistakes we know that we talk we talk about it all the time with our officials um that we know that there's going to be mistakes made on the ice from time to time. That's just part of the game. That's part of life. I make mistakes just like anybody else does in my job as commissioner, but I want them to learn from those mistakes and try to do better every time because these games matter to all the teams that are competing. And we want to make sure that when our officials come to the rank, that they're focused, they're ready to go and, uh, they do the best job they possibly can when they're officiating in the United States Hockey League. Sure, because it takes away from the integrity of way more than just themselves if, if there's anything open for interpretation there. Um, I think the last thing I have, and Brandon may have something as well, but there has been, as long as I keep talking about these points of discussion, there has been, as of late, a lot of conversation on social media about, hey, what happened to the transactions page or the the 
USHL Hockey Ops Twitter account that used to tweet out, you know, the forward of the week and the goalie of the week and the and the defenseman of the week as as, lo, as well as so and so got traded to so and so and somebody suspended for X amount of games. Is that something that's just under review? Is that something that the league felt like? And maybe maybe you haven't even had a chance to really even look at this yet. But is that something that the league has taken a look at? Uh, just providing that information to the interested people out there? Well, I know there's interest in it because I get emails about it from time to time <laughs> from, from fans. Um, I have talked to our hockey ops people about the transactions. Now I know we're tweeting out and in all of our social media platforms, we're putting out information on the players of the week and our um, a weekly press release that gives all the latest for the upcoming games over the course of the week. So all that, all those things are going out the Bauer, release went out last week to all those platforms so i know that those things are happening when it comes to player transactions um it's a conversation that we're talking to our general managers about um in particular and and some of our head coaches who are also general managers about uh, giving more information to our fans uh, so they can see that um, uh, and we're going to make some changes as commissioner and I come from a communications background as I stated earlier and I want to see uh, us give more information like that out as much as we can uh, without hurting the competitive side of the game but uh, for the reason of I want our fans to be able to see see this type of information. So one thing I think would be really cool to do is uh, you mentioned like the, the weekly press release with the uh um, stats and all that sort of stuff come out. The daily report comes out. If we, if the USHL could do something like what uh, NHL did with the player safety and show the video of why so and so was suspended or whatever, I think that'd be really nice to do and and be beneficial for the fans. And it is, it'll give out content and and it kind of explain to why. Okay, this is what the referee saw, and maybe fans won't be so hard on them when they actually see what what the deal was. All right, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> and that wasn't the whole reason we had you on tonight either, Commissioner, but uh, just I, something that came up. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate. We appreciate the time that you've spent with us this evening. Uh, we look forward to you getting out to Lincoln and experiencing the icebox. If you're if you're not busy Friday night, uh, you want to see one of the best rivalries in hockey, come out and watch the Omaha Lancers uh, take on the Lincoln Stars. I think they're talking about a sellout. So we'll make sure that we save a spot for you, though, if you can make it. Well, please do. And if I don't see you this weekend, you most likely will see me during playoff time for sure. That's fantastic. Thank you again so much, Commissioner. We, we appreciate your time. All right. Anytime, guys. Thank you for the time. All right, Gene. Like, like we mentioned earlier, he cares about the league a lot. And, and right there, it, it shows it um, with talks of the expansion, talks of uh, the officiating and just how he wants to make this league better. I mean, there's already talks about making more events, kind of like the Frosty Cup. The Rock or not the Robertson Cup, but the Americans right. Cup, and showcasing the league to the future of the USHL, those future players in the, in minor hockey and in youth hockey. He even said he would take your idea about getting transactions out there under under advisement. I don't know if uh, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they do. I, I mean, missed that. I personally missed that. I always liked seeing the and and I personally believe, much like you said, BA, it kind of if you get to see the consistency across the it league takes, and the application of, oh, that kid got suspended the same amount as our kid got suspended. It takes that, away the conspiracy theories out there that you, you see on social media all the time 
well, they don't like us because, well, it's us. Yeah, kind of like, you know, we got, the, we got the PC answer about what's really going on with the Waterloo mascot. Um, don't really know, I guess. I don't know. But, her, I mean, but he kind of he said it, well, the same thing that I said. Just be classy. Yep. I mean, yeah, I, 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 a, it doesn't offend of- me that it, the Tommy Hawk is out there throwing around on a referee dummy. He's done it with other teams' jerseys on that stupid thing. It's just a classist look. Yep. And... I bet I, I sh- maybe I should take my own words and advisement to at some point because I mean, I was kind of a dick to uh, some officials here on on the show. So yeah, me too, me too. You know that's you grow and learn. There's a reason that I sit in the penalty box. There's a reason that at my kids' games I run the clock or do the announcing is because it keeps me from being an idiot and saying and doing those things because it's not a good look. It really isn't. No, it's not. So uh, let's let's move on a little bit. Uh, you, we got we got a stretch coming up here. We do have a stretch and, you know, um, I did, I did some research, believe it or not. I have some stats here on, and I'm going to tell you, I didn't touch Tri-City. Maybe I should have for Sioux City's benefit. Um, I, I was hopeful. We talked last week about, man, if we could go in and win a couple games from Tri-City over the weekend, who knows? Maybe we can still make a cut, uh, a run at the Western at Conference. At this point, but- I just want to be competitive against them. Yeah, we will. We will. I have faith. I have faith. We'll figure it out. I mean, we got the team to do it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's the talent on this team. There's the drive. There's there's the desire to do it. We just need to figure it out. It's got to be mental. It has to be mental because we look like a different team against them than everybody else does. And and here's some more statistical breakdown as to what I mean there. So Lincoln, Sioux City, and Omaha each have, if my if my math is correct, three games left against Tri-City. So I'm just going to throw them out and accept that I'd like to just throw them out, but I can't really, and here's why. Sioux City is 2-3-1 and one against Tri-City on the season. Omaha is 3-3-1 three, three, and one against them on the season, as opposed to our 0-7. Um all three of us, actually, we have 16 games left. Both Sioux City and Omaha have 17 games left. I didn't worry about Waterloo. I didn't worry about Fargo. I didn't worry about Des Moines uh, or Sioux Falls uh, but and, and or Tri, Tri-City. So I just worried about those three of us to continue to flop spots back and forth. Yeah, the, the two through four seeds or yeah. places right there. Yeah, because that's going to be big. It's huge. The second seed, much like the first seed, gets a bye through the first round. The third will play six. So if that were to, if that were to end today, Tri City be the first seed, Sioux City would be the second seed, we'd be the third seed, and we'd be playing Fargo, if I remember correctly. Now the good news is it would all be at our barn. But from a playoff perspective, after you win that first round, then it becomes a best out of three for the for the second round. Yes. Yep. And then then you move on to the best of five to the best of five for the for the conference. Team. I still think the final should be best of seven. That's just my opinion, though. Yep. So, as far as I can tell, Omaha's got the, the hardest road to hoe than anybody. Again, they have seven home games, ten road games. Their, their competition has a, an overall 596 winning percentage. So, they're playing fewer games at home against teams that have more overall, a, a higher overall winning percentage. Sioux City has the easiest um, road to hoe because they are, they're only playing teams. They have eight home, nine away games and their teams have a, a 539 winning percentage whereas we have straight up um 520 nope 550 it's a 550 winning percentage so but we have nine home games seven seven road games to play 
two of two of our home games are against Tri City. Um, and the other teams that we played, we fared very well against. We got Des Moines five zero and one, Sioux Falls five two and one, Waterloo were three and one, Sioux City were six and one, Omaha were three two zero and one. So the teams that we have left, we fared pretty well against, with the exception of Tri City. And the, the, going to the Tri City thing, we've fared well against Tri City at home and at neutral sites. It's when we're at their arena that yeah, we suck. Just weird, so, weird, weird, weird stuff. So I mean. You can't you can't just go ahead and cross those Tri City games off and wash them off as an NL because we we play them good here in our barn and we get we pack that place we're gonna have that home crowd advantage and it, it is an intimidating place to play there's yeah. no doubt about it and I think it gives us an extra shot and you know what oh something else that I looked at we have in the last seven games we have not scored the first goal and in five of them we've we've been we've given up two goals in the first period we've been down two nothing in five of the last seven games that includes the the two over the weekend to tri-city and the one on friday night against waterloo yeah that waterloo game was just it was nuts and then if you throw out the shutout that we pitched against sioux city last week it was uh the two games before that too so, so yeah i mean i don't know we, we got some work to do um Rocky's been talking about we got to get off the bus because yeah. as soon as Tri-City, I mean, they scored 30, 34, 36 seconds into the game yesterday. And it was like, uh-oh. Here, here we, we go, go again. Yep. And I'm sure that the boys feel that way too. It's like, ugh. Yeah, I can't imagine that. You know, you get thumped, eight nothing, come back, and they score 30 seconds. It's, it's a kick in the nuts. Can't, can't put you in a good place mentally when you talk about I've heard a lot of conversation about confidence and confidence this and confidence that and uh, that has to steal every last bit of confidence you have and, I, and you mentioned that confidence thing I, and the fact that we scored six goals in third period on Friday night that that's a huge boost in confidence but if you look at the score a four kind of it kind of knocks you back down a little bit a notch or two you know, again what's interesting about that is if you go back to the Sioux City game where we raved about my God, Sioux City couldn't even get a puck to the net. They were blocking it all over the place. Tri-City had 25 shots on goal in the first period alone on Saturday. There was, every puck was getting to the front of the net. And same thing, same thing against Waterloo on Friday night. I mean, Just, I'm not going to, and I'm not going to make excuses here, but going in, going in the weekend with five defensemen. Yeah, that can't that can that, help you. Yeah, that doesn't help things at all. It was nice to see Mastro back on Saturday night, or Sunday night, excuse me. Yeah, Mastro's sick, although I'm not sure he was even... He, I saw him Saturday, and he was not, still wasn't looking good. I talked to him in street clothes on the ice after the Waterloo game and asked if he was feeling better, and he was like, yeah, nah, yeah. No, not really. And and uh, Nelly out with a with an upper body injury of some sort. Don't really know what that's all about, but yeah. Uh, Keeker Olsen came in. Yeah. He, he looked pretty good on Friday well, night. Well, I, I don't know. That, that message I got right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek tongue you know yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean it wasn't a good start he comes out and first shift he's minus one yeah not that it was not that it was his fault because by the end of the game i think he was a plus one wasn't he yeah he's plus one i mean he had assist and a goal and, his, and i mean he yeah. he had a hell of a debut with the stars and i like him he's big a big kid. kid yep he looks good out there i you know that's the thing about it that what about that flow did you see the flow yep oh my god the ladies are gonna love it here yeah. in lincoln yeah i don't know about I think about my my flow 25 years ago, <laughs> back when I used to be able to have a flow. Don't worry, Antonio. I still think you have the best hair in, in, on the team. So, 
yeah, I don't think that there's any any competition for that one right no, now. And, man, and speaking of Antonio, what a what a hockey player. Got busted up Saturday uh, down there in Tri-City, and I don't know when it happened, but I saw him come out for the third period, and there's just dried blood all over his face, all over his jersey. And it's like, this kid is a hockey player. You see Wally yesterday? I, I, I didn't, but, you know, at dinner tonight, I, I heard about and yeah, He it, got kicked in the – not intentionally. He just took a skate to the face and apparently cut him – I know it cut him – I mean, it was right on, like nose to chin, something like that. So, and he, these kids are tough as nails. I mean, if that happened to me, I'd still be in the hospital. Yeah. He took a couple stitches and was right back out there again. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I don't know if you got any more stats to go over with or what should we get Rono on? Let's get Rono. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. All right, Stars fans. Once again, it's that time of the week where tonight we're going to have your most requested guest, uh, the voice of your Lincoln Stars, Cristiano Simonetta. Cristiano, how are you? Very good, Gene, BA. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. Of course, it's been a long time coming. We just uh, finally got got an opportunity to sneak you in here. So um, how did you get to Lincoln? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, so I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Uh, I'm from the Chicago suburbs, uh, Carroll Stream to be specific, and that's about 45 minutes from Chicago. But um, I actually was covering the St. Louis Blues uh, for the Athletic during the 2018-19 season. And uh, the St. Louis Blues had just won the Stanley Cup, which is my favorite team. So I was kind of on uh, a cloud nine June 12th, 2019, when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. And a couple of weeks later, I was looking to go into broadcasting full-time. I had just done the ACHA National Championships, which is uh, a club, NCAA, or not NCAA, club Division I championships where my school would compete in. That's what I had broadcasted for four years as an undergrad. But I was looking to jump into the industry full-time, and uh, I had talked to a lot of people, and they said, you just got to grind and go to the junior level and uh, rise up the ranks to pro hockey. And I really didn't know a lot about the United States Hockey League or the Lincoln Stars. I know uh, Biagio Lorario, who I grew up with, actually, about 25 minutes from me, was the captain at one point, so that was kind of weird. But I didn't really know a lot about the team, but long story short, um, I just saw the opening online and i hit up a couple people that i knew that were in the nhl covering it about what do you think of the lincoln stars what do you think of the ushl and they all kind of they steered me in the right direction (laughs) no no it was nothing but good things and david backus actually was uh someone that i ended up reaching out to after i got the job because he was there in st louis when i was uh covering the team when i was younger and uh, it's very weird how I ended up at the same spot that he uh, started out his career. Now, you mentioned St. Louis. How, being a Chicago kid, how did you become a Blues fan? Um, you know, I watched the Mighty Ducks movies when I was a kid, and I still love them to this day. And in Mighty Ducks 3, ironically, a, a kid announcer is interviewing Paul Correa, who was uh, the first-round draft pick by the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, uh, the first first-round pick of their, you know, insulation into the national hockey league and he was on screen for about one minute like one to two minutes but for some reason i gravitated towards him so i followed him when he was in anaheim followed him to colorado for a season he was in nashville for a couple of years and then he signed in st louis on july 1st 2007 at that point i was 11 years old so i was like you know what i'm old enough this is my team no matter where it goes and uh it was pretty rough for a couple of years. Uh, and then they got some guys like TJ Oshie, David Perron, and eventually the Alex Petrangelos. And um, they won a Stanley Cup all these years later. 
Yeah. So do you know who helped bring the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim to Anaheim? <laughs> you know, obviously the Mighty Ducks, but unless there's some weird uh, call, weird information that you know that I wouldn't, go yeah. ahead. It's, it's, it's a, a segue from our last interview. Bill Robertson. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. Nope. He, uh, according to his bio, he actually helped bring the An- the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim to Anaheim. And then, that is a small world. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, so did Lincoln live up to the recommendations you got once you got here? A hundred percent. I just think the ability to call 62 plus games, which again, I never got to do, and I still haven't yet in a single season, but the opportunity to call that amount of games really refine my craft and just do what I've loved. I, I've wanted to do this ever since I was two years old. So I was incredibly blessed to be given the opportunity by Ryan Schiff. And I still remember we were in a Starbucks in Glen Ellen, Illinois, because he's from there, which is ironically 15 minutes away from where I grew up and lived. Um, I'll never forget when he offered me the job. And here we are over uh, two and a half years later. No, no, I might be the weird one here, but anytime, um, We've had an, a new broadcaster announced. I always scoured SoundCloud, any any place I could find clips of, of our announcers, just sure. see who's who's uh, going to be calling our games. So uh, I found some of those clips from the, you calling the uh, the ACHA games. Yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. Um, I was uh, I think what twenty one years old at the time when Illinois. I was actually a senior in college when we got to go to the national championship. So being able to call that game, we got pounded eight to one though. That was the bad part about it. I mean, like you, you call these great games. We won an overtime against the Ohio university in Athens. We beat Minot state. It was the number one team in the country. And then we lose to Adrian pretty, uh, one-sidedly, but just to get that opportunity is like surreal with my buddies that I grew up with. And, you know, we're calling just, you know, in the ACHA, it's very casual and very loose, but I always took a professional, um, look at it and it was just a blast now did you get to call any games when they played the huskers or have they played the huskers no so they hadn't uh my good friend jordan atkins was playing on that team while i was in college i did not know him at the time but no because they're in division two and illinois is in division one acha oh big time now division one yes yeah we look we were (laughs) we were number five my senior year in college and but no the acha is awesome i mean to be able to go to college and especially at a big 10 university and play hockey even club hockey our fans be 2,500 people at our games. It was pretty, and on a campus where uh, you're able to get away with a, a lot of stuff, I'll just leave it at that. It was, a, it was a fun time. I may have gone to college at a place where you could get away with lots of stuff too. <laughs> so um, you played, right? I don't, I mean, you've been broadcasting since college, but you used to be a goalie, if I remember correctly. I actually never played organized hockey, but um, when I was growing up, I'm the youngest of three boys, and I always tell this story, but my mom didn't want to drive me to the 5 a.m. practices. I thought I could make it to the NHL. I still, you know, the confidence in me as an athlete, I think I could still do it, and that sounds hilarious to everybody listening in, but um, I loved skating. I love being a forward. I love scoring goals, but nobody wanted to play goalie. And I hated playing post. It was, you know, really easy and really stupid to shoot on just an empty net. So I strap up the pads and I play goalie in the summers. Um, well, my friends that play junior hockey, I had a couple friends that play in the North American league, Vinny Henestroza I've come up against who grew up 15 minutes, uh, away from me. I still play in the summers against those guys in rod hockey. And, uh, it's definitely fun. I, I consider myself, uh, the official e-bug of the Lincoln Stars, if for some reason I get thrown in there. Yeah, are you giving Whitey and Burke any tips? 
Oh, no shot. Those guys are unbelievable. Uh, no, no, I can't really say anything to those guys. Two of the best goaltenders in the country. Yeah. So I have a 17 year old that wanted to play goalie, but I told him that until he could get the mentality to play goalie, I think goalies get, as a guy who's had several goalies live at my house, goalies get a bad rap, but it does take a special mentality to play goalie. Don't you think? A hundred percent. And uh, Doc Emmerich has a very good line where he says that goaltenders wear the largest pads and bear the largest responsibility. And that's a hundred percent the case. When you make a mistake, you've either got 20,000 screaming fans or, or booing fans and a red light goes on. Name another job where something like that happens. You can't. Uh, so definitely it's a hard job for for Caden and Cameron. And they've just done such an outstanding job. And in, in my third year here, we finally have goaltenders that can rescue games. Not that guys like Jake Musatelli, Ryan Willette, Aiden McCarthy, Ryan McKinchak couldn't, but we're definitely seeing something special with these two. Yeah. And we weren't really going to go into the last couple of days, but you, you spoke about that on your broadcast uh, last night in particular, just about the whole, it's always the goalie, whether the goalie standing on their head or having a horrible night, it doesn't matter. Every goal that goes in is their fault somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's a cherry picking type of thing for fans to just check a box score. Um, even fans that think they know the game, to be honest, uh, like to critique goalies just way too closely. And for me, I'm a St. Louis Blues fan. The Blues, all they needed was a goaltender. They had Ryan Miller, they had Brian Elliott, they had Yaroslav Halak. Um, and then they have Jordan Bennington comes out of nowhere. Everybody thinks he's horrible because he barely played in the National Hockey League at the age of 26 ends up stealing the show in 2019 with one of the best postseason um, runs as a rookie, winning all 16 games. So, uh, you know, nobody really knows anything. I think that's the beauty of my job. I, I could sound as confident as, as can be, and I could come with all this facts and knowledge, but the beauty of this sport is that they, they drop a puck, and we don't know what the heck's going to happen. You know, a question I meant to ask you at the beginning, last year you were Ron, this year you're Ano. Um, <laughs> what, do you have a preference? Well, I mean, I think you have to go into the backstory of those nicknames. Ano is something that my friends from high school uh, still call me, and I, I've known those guys for like 20 years and girls. So, like, um, it's just easier to call that out when you're playing sports. I played lacrosse, golf, and baseball in high school, and when you know you're playing lacrosse and you have the ball and you're trying to call for a pass, Cristiano is a mouthful, and I think the defense would have been able to read it. But Ron is because of Lori Crocker just not being able to say my name in seriousness. Of course she could, <laughs> but Anchorman's my favorite movie of all time. And then she goes, Oh, so like Ron Burgundy. I was like, yes. And then she was like the next day, Ron. And I remember, and still to this day, there are people that go, who the hell is Ron? And uh, yeah, that's just another nickname that uh, the play, the players don't call me that. I know stars assistant coach George Lewis is starting to do it. And uh, you know, I don't really like it that much, but I'm kidding. But uh, he, he gets a kick out of it, too. I better change my email then because I have you as Ron in there. That's funny. Yeah, that's <laughs> even the weirder part about it that's taken on a life of its own. But I don't care. It, just don't call me Chris. That's not my name. Did you did you tweet out the Be a Goldfish yesterday or did somebody else? I did. I did. Okay, oh, so I have been trying to get people to call George the Beard from that same, <laughs> from that same TV show, but it's not catching on. So 
Look, well, if you've seen season two of Ted Lasso, I don't know if George has those dance moves that Mr. Beard has or Coach Beard has, but uh, no, that's Ted Lasso is one of the best shows out there. And I maybe I need to do a side by side of of George Lewis and, and Coach Beard. There you go. Let's there you go. It. But that's exactly yes. Season two, season one, I can watch that show over and over and over again. So I'm assuming, Cristiano, that you. Um, because 93.7, the ticket is doing wall-to-wall state basketball coverage. You guys don't get to do your do the coaches show tomorrow night. Is that accurate, or will you be on? We got pushed to the 9 p.m. slot. Me and Rocky just thought, hey, like uh, the weekend that we had, it was pretty grueling with three games in three days. Uh, we'll just push it to next week. But yeah, we are not on uh, the radio tomorrow. But that has just been also a, a really cool opportunity to reach a new audience here in Lincoln. 93.7, the ticket has welcomed us with open arms, and it's been very fun to do. Yeah, we we both been on your show, so it's about time you got on ours. <laughs> that is true. I really appreciate, even though Gene, you know, disguised himself inadvertently. Yeah, uh, that got mixed up. I forget what name he was. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, but it was I very I funny. I wish I knew. Maybe it's because I was calling from Atlanta or something. Scary from Dubuque. <laughs> Yeah, something. It literally was something like that. So, talk about this weekend. Uh, we got we have the Lancers. We have Des Moines. Um, we've seen the crowds, and I, and I guess I kind of attribute the the coaches show and a lot of the things going on. But the on ice performance certainly doesn't hurt. Rivalry night, I think, is what you guys have been doing it right against the the Lancers on Friday night. Yep, and if you can't get up for those games, or and you can't come to those games, like as a desire for a Stars fan or a player, like you know, forget about it. I mean, those games are unbelievable, and I got to see a couple of those my first year uh, with the crowds being you know three thousand five hundred and up. But we didn't really have a lot of success against Omaha my first year, despite having a really really good we offensive brutal. team. Yeah, we were we found ways to lose. And uh, this year, when Michael Cameron scores with 20 seconds left, I'm like, are you kidding me? Another year of this stuff. But uh, we kind of righted the ship with Joe in overtime, Joe, the buzzer beater in Omaha. Uh, those type of uh, performances have been great. But yeah, Omaha on Friday, great night, rivalry night. And then Saturday's Pucks and Paws night, or Pucks and Paws. I'm writing an article about Pucks and Paws right now. Paw Patrol night. So we got a jersey auction. Paw Patrol specialty themed jerseys and pucks to give away. It's going to be really fun, whether you know you've seen an episode of that show or your kids have or younger people have or not. Uh, it's going to be really cool to see the jerseys that we have on Saturday. So, how do we get Paw Patrol jerseys and not Star Wars jerseys? Look, if it was up to me, <laughs> we would have Star Wars night every single night. Uh, I love Star Wars uh, beyond belief, but uh, no, I think next year, next year we're going to have Star Wars jerseys for sure. That's fantastic. Well, Cristiano, one thing. Oh, uh, before before you leave, you mentioned that you wanted to make it to the NHL. You got one step closer there earlier this year by calling a uh, Iowa Wild game. How awesome was mm-hmm. that for you to you know just get a taste of that pro hockey? It was really um, Truman Show esque. If you've never seen that movie with Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. um, that's how I kind of describe my life because I've been very lucky and very blessed, and uh, I think that's the key. Um, it was sweet. Like being able to go up in that rink where ironically we've called games before with the stars because Des Moines had that storm that hit there at hit Buccaneer arena. And we played at Wells Fargo center a couple of times um, or Wells Fargo arena, but it was just weird to look at the box score and look at the, my notes and my charts and see guys like Cody McLeod, who I had watched covered for the national predators for so long. And he scores that night and he's got my same birthday, June 26. It's kind of, very surreal to be able to to get that opportunity and and the fact of the matter is it, it's about when i get to the nhl that's how much confidence and how much drive that i have and i'm, I'm very 
again, lucky and blessed to, to be here in Lincoln. And these three years here have done such a wonder for me as a person growing up through my mid twenties, but also uh, as a broadcaster, I really can't thank the city, the fans, the organization enough. So I'm just super excited to finish off the season. Whatever happens after the year happens. But uh, yeah, I hope to be in the NHL next three or four or five years. Uh, that's definitely the goal. Well, we would hate to see you go, but you're too good to too good to stay. If that, if you understand where I'm going with that. But uh, of course, you know the other part about it, Cristiano is is that I I love watching you on listening to you on hockey TV. And I don't know that uh, Stars fans can say thank you enough for being our eyes and and telling us, describing to us when we couldn't be in the rink because of the coronavirus. So thank you for all that you've done for, for Lincoln Hockey over the last couple of years, and we appreciate you joining us tonight. No, thank you guys so much. Anything, Gene, BA, you guys ever need, you know I'm always there for you. I know. We're lucky there's hockey TV because who knows, you could be lying to us describing what's going on in the ice. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm actually just closing my eyes and just flipping a coin and, and you know looking at a bingo board to hit some certain words and terms. All right, thanks a lot, Rano. Thank you, guys. Hey, Thunderstruck listeners, it's Cristiano Simonetta, the voice of the Lincoln Stars. Join Stars head coach Rocky Russo and I for Outside the Box, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on 93.7 The Ticket. But not this week. Nope, not this week. They're off. State basketball took us out of our normal recording location, sent us, sent us into the basement, and they kicked knocked, uh, them, knocked them off the air, too. Yeah, knocked them off the air completely, so, I mean... You heard he heard Rano saying that they had the 9 p.m. time slot, but after the, after the weekend when they had, it's, it's kind of a sit back and regroup kind of type deal with the the coaching staff. Yeah, I think everybody needs to get a little time away. So I'd sing to you, but nobody wants to hear that. No, I don't want no broken wings. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive there. All right, I'm so, just about to break into it. <laughs> so two big games coming up: um, Omaha coming to town, Bugaha rivalry night. Friday four four thousand fans in the building comes Friday night. So yeah, unbelievable. And it's state basketball, so get there early, guys. They have been playing. Those two teams have gone toe-to-toe. We've gotten a slightly, if I remember, did I just say we had the better of them? I did. We're 3-2-1 yeah. and one against them. And if you remember the last time we beat them up there, Joe LeMay, wow, last, last second shot. Unreal. I mean, I hope we don't see that again this week. Um, hopefully we just come out and – and have a Sioux City-esque type game and just come in there, dominate from the get-go. and uh, We need that. Send the uh, send Evan Warner's uh, return to the icebox on a sad note. Yep, and then let's do the same thing on Saturday night when Christian Koshes comes back. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's kind of it's kind of cool that we get to see Coach come back, and we have a couple games with Des Moines left in the season. so um, All of them at home. Yeah, so I know I have some friends from Des Moines coming down on Saturday night. So hopefully we can just make it a road trip for him. Four games against Omaha, two against Des Moines, two against Waterloo. By the way, the other day, did you hear, did you did you hear the echoes of Waterlooser? Waterlooser. That was fantastic. Nice, Waterlooser. Nice job, Farmhouse and and uh, all the other places. I tried Jordan there. to get the uh, the old go start the bus. I heard that one too. I don't we, know if we, she started it. No, or not, she she did. wouldn't start it, but we we we're down at the the far end, and we got some college kids started. So perfect. It was uh, it was like the old days at the icebox with the water loser chant going on and the go start the bus chant. I mean, it didn't really work out so well because it was nice out, but I mean, 
to go start the bus is when you're getting your butt kicked and it's negative 40 degrees outside. You need to get that bus nice and toasty for him. Get it warmed up. Yeah. So, you know, we have, we have, it, everything is still in front of us as far as I'm concerned. Maybe not the Anderson Cup, if that's still a thing. Since it, know. it still is. And that's Tri-City. I mean, they're going to win it. Yeah. But. I think that there. I, I do not like having my namesake at being down in Tri City, though. I, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, so you'd rather have in Chicago? Uh, I'd rather have here in Lincoln. Somehow they have two fewer games than everybody does too. So anyway, uh, Friday night rivalry night with Omaha. Paw Patrol night, and then Paw Patrol with special Paw Patrol. You, buy, you should buy one of those. No, nope, man, nope. Look at all this empty wall space down here. Yep. Put some frame hockey jerseys yeah, in I gotta, here. I got to hang Thunderstruck the podcast material over this oh well you're asking for a lot there get the soundproof glass up and the noise dampening <laughs> get a get an material. actual producer down here and right. some sound engineer right. and all that sort of stuff instead of two guys in a microphone did you get your kool-aid jersey no i you know i did like those i did too i thought they were cool and i had a friend of mine she texted me she's like that was so random why are the kool-aid jerseys i'm like because Kool-Aid was made in Hastings, and Hastings is part of the Tri-Cities. Yep, Tri-City. Yep. So she's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But, yeah, I thought they were cool. Did anybody say, hey, Kool-Aid? Dude, oh, my God. The, too they're, too they're, often? PA guy. Their they're Craig Estadillo was uh, is all, all doing the, oh, yeah, kind of Kool-Aid man stuff throughout the night. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we didn't do anything to keep him from doing it either. No, and there was a lot of penalties that, that game, too, where he was everything. Oh, yeah, you know, Tri-City, power play, blah, blah. Who cares? End of the season's coming up quick. It's we're, we're rapidly the middle of March, and last games are April 24th, so we're down to about five weeks left in the regular season, 16 games. That's five more episodes of this show. Well, plus, plus, plus playoffs. Yeah, plus, yeah. Yep. yeah, and then future camp specials. There you go. I was thinking that that exact same thing. So yeah. So, um, and we promised some people. I don't know if we promised them, but you know, a, a, a billet family takeover with a couple people, and we still have a handful of guests we need to get on to. Yeah, we have a handful of guests, and we still need questions from you guys. So give us a call at four zero two four one three ninety eight twenty three. If you guys would have called, we might have had a question for Rano that we could play, or a question for for Robertson. The commish. Well, and I know that we promised but people we'd start tweeting out who this, was the commission was a last minute, minute deal. Yeah, so it was Cristiano up. actually. Yeah, I mean we didn't plan a lot. When we have a bad weekend, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but like when I go to do photos and we have a bad weekend, I don't want to do them. I just look at them like, ugh. Yeah. And it's kind of the same way with this podcast. It's like, okay, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. So we'll just do like. Like Sam and Justin did, and just do you know put put on some random, some guest who they have like their GM or something that was a special edition this week. Yeah, so we 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 went out to them. We got the commissioner. Yeah. So yeah, so if you have any questions, I mean, it doesn't even have to be player specific, but if there's like a question you want to know from from the stars in general, so I mean, if you want to know their favorite hockey team growing up or anything like that, just yeah, give us a call. Let us know. We'll play it on the air. Any for, former players you want to talk to? I actually had a little text exchange with uh, with Biagio Lorario, former Stars captain earlier today. He's looking forward to coming on. He's actually looking forward to coming back to Lincoln and catching a game too. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's any former guys you want to hear on, um, anything like that. Just, yeah, give us a call. Let us know. Tweet at us at Thunderstruck Podcast, um, at BA Photos, at Gene Cotter. At Gene Cotter. And at how about we see you Friday night? Yeah, Friday night at the Icebox Rivalry Night. We'll see everybody there. (laughs)